I'm Sonia Morton Ferb, and you're tuned in to the Sonia Morton Ferb Show. Today, my guest is Derry Llewellyn Davies. Derry has climbed six of the seven tallest mountains, completed an Ironman, and one of the most grueling races on the planet, the Marathon de Sable. Two decades in business, he's been bankrupt and reinvented himself several times. Derry now helps entrepreneurs architect their lives to achieve extreme performance and balance. Watch this interview for guidance on how to design your perfect life. Derry, I can't, I was, I've been waiting for this moment for, uh, uh, well, ever since I started my podcast and my show. Thank you so much for being here at my home in Richmond. It's lovely to see you again. It's great to be here and see you in your flow. I think this is definitely you, Sonia. So, uh, it definitely uh, is. We'll have a good conversation is. today, I'm sure. Absolutely. Well, I've got, we've got loads to talk about. And I know we, I really want to talk about where you are now and your business. And we have to touch on your adventures. But before we start, <laughs> what I really want to talk about is something that you said to me that's always stuck in my mind. Uh, and it's stuck in my mind since I've known you, and that is living a life of no regrets. Mm. And where that came from. Yes, that's I talk about that a lot, as you probably mm. see. And I think I think about it so a lot as well. And I th I've also been challenged on that a lot, right? So uh, uh, it's interesting when you get known for a phrase. Uh, everyone wants to have a pop at various things, right? There's, they shoot it down. A lot of people said that's so negative. Um, or, you know, how can you, you need a positive spin on that. I'm like, no, I don't, bollocks. It actually, it works for me. And it, it works for you and it works for a lot of people. Now, why is that? Because one, it came out of a, uh, I think, a profound moment in my life, um, which you know about. It's what, all over what, the interwebs. What was that profound So that was, um, I think a lot of people will resonate with this uh, if you've lost someone close to you. So I was sitting on my father's deathbed. I didn't know it was a deathbed at the time. I thought it was just a hospital bed. And um, I was sitting there and I was holding his hand, which was weird. He's a Welshman, right? So it was like, he didn't, weird no, no hand holding yeah. or emotional stuff was going on there. Uh, and he looked me in the eye and he just said, son, I regret so much in life. And that was the last thing I expected coming out of my father's mouth. Uh, my dad uh, was a lovely man, a great man, so much fun. And he really, I thought he lived life Right. He, he, from what I saw, he lived life. And yet there he was lying there, a shell of his former self, regretting so much. And he went on to describe what he regretted. And actually what he regretted was simple stuff. Like he regretted stupid shit like not getting his sit-on lawnmower upgraded. And, <laughs> and he regretted not going to Egypt. And he regretted, he, he listed these things he regretted. And uh, he came home um, a couple of a day later, and it was one his last days of his life. And I managed to knock off about five things on his bucket list because all they were were purchases and experiences. And then he died, um, and that just hit really hard to me because he died with his with his regrets, and he died with some of his dreams intact. Um, and that was my fuck this moment. I'm like, I am not going out like that. Mm. Now, up until that point in life, I'd done a lot of the positivity and the personal development and the personal growth and I had my goals and my aspirations and, and that, I'm all for that, right? That's the, that's the draw and that's the, the, the lean into goal setting and what you want in life. But that gave me a kick in the ass like nothing else and it's a different question. When you say, if I died today, 
what would I regret? Yeah. Now fucking do it. Yeah. And that's a different thing of, do you know what? My goal is this. And I think, I, no, no, no. I mean, if you're going to die, I, I mean, you are, we are this close at any moment in any, any time. But right? I, I guess if you're going to die, and if I'm thinking about that right now, most of that goal list would just get scrapped. Bingo. And that's the point is, I think the shit that we're chasing the stuff that we perceive we want is not really what matters in your dying moments. And that's a much deeper question. And by the way, it's not meant to be comfortable. I think a lot of people, um, when I talk about this on the stages, the reason people challenge that in the audience is they're very uncomfortable. And a lot of people aren't prepared to really lean in and ask that question, go, no, that's very morbid, Derry. That's very, no, it's not. I want to, I'm here to live, so it's not, this is not about being morbid, this is about living. But what does truly living mean? Well, if you're going, and I face death a few times, because I'm a bit stupid in the shit I do. Um, and when I face death, I know what I looked in the eye, and it was none of the fancy toys, or, and none of that stuff that a lot of the world out there perceives to be what we aspire to be in life, with the cars and the thing, none of that matters in those moments. And I know you did a study because you, mm. you, you were compelled enough to go and do a study on this. Yeah. And I'm really, I, I know the answer to this, but, but, but I was quite astounded what, what the number one or even the top 10 yeah. regrets were. So, uh, and I'll, uh, this is all online, by the way, we give this freely away because I, because I was talking about it so much and we were, you know, I have my view on what I think regrets mm. in life. Um, so that's when we pulled studies from around the world to see what everyone else thought. We literally pulled from lots of different studies and pulled it into one and then ranked them and, and cut them apart. And when you do a study, you have to give the results, whether you actually like some of the answers or not, right? It, it, it's a study, it's a study. And it surprised me. Some of the stuff in there really surprised me. Um, but number one surprised me the most because it was consistent. Now, this was, by the way, regrets of not going wandering down the street saying, you know, what would you regret? Um, this was the regrets of the dying. Yeah. So the, the, and there's a lot of studies pulled around the world on this and regrets of nurses who have kind of seen people dying and then said this is what their dying words were. So this is profound regrets, not fanciful regrets. And um, I won't spoil the top, um, top six, but uh, number one was always love. Yeah. Number one was, and I mean, it, it, everything else ranked in different ways, but love was always number one. And, and it was love, not in, was it love is, I, I wanted, I want more love, or I wish I had more love. It's came in, it was interesting because we, it was hard to pull those studies together, right? So every regret, there's six regrets there. There's actually about 18 regrets there because what we had to do was compartmentalize mm -hmm. some of them. Um, and love came in in three more, mostly profound ways. The first love was regret of the love you never asked. Uh, that. Right, that's, that's like, I love this person and I never had the balls to ask them out, right? I lo you know, that love of the regret of never even having a go. Now, for, you know, I don't know, in this new world we live in, I, I'm still a bit chivalrous and the man, you know, typically asks the woman, right? Although God knows what happens on the interwebs these days, right? So I would mean, uh, never ask a man out. I, I've just admitted that, but no, I, I would always there you go. wait. So, uh, so boys, step up, right? <laughs> so a lot of the regret is actually on the male side of that. Yeah. Because actually it's the males that should ask. But then equally there's a regret on the female side because they, they wanted to ask, but they didn't for other reasons, right? So it's not asking. The second big regret was staying 
in a relationship knowing that it wasn't the right relationship. And I was, but now, I, you know, I've been through that when I've been, you know, I've got my three beautiful children from my first marriage and, and we divorced five years ago now. Um, and I have no regrets with that. You know, I, my ex-wife's an amazing woman who I hugely respect still and great mother to my children. We, and we were together for 17, 18 years, right? In that time, it was what it was. It was great and there's no regrets. But I also knew, and that was an Everest, that decision was made, by the way, when I looked up in the eye on Everest. Um, we'll come back to that. When I, yeah, just throw that one <laughs> yeah. in there. Um, and it was then when you look, and I looked at in there, then I realized that the relationship had, had served its course. It wasn't right anymore. And actually, we were together for the kids. And I would have regretted that in 10 years' time. Do you think that's a generation thing? Because I guess a lot of people, um, not of our generation, but our parents' generation, just stuck together probably more... I'm, I'm guessing, obviously, I haven't lived in those days, but maybe the wife didn't feel secure enough if she wanted yeah. to leave her husband because she didn't, it, she wasn't at work and she was there bringing up the kids. Yeah, absolutely. But there was a lot of affairs going on. Well, <laughs> who knows what was going on out there in those days, right? But yeah, if you think about a lot of these studies were coming from the older generation, mm. um, there's definitely a bias towards that. Um, but I think these days, it'd be interesting to do that study again in 20 years' yeah. time because I think it'll change. Um, but you still see the same, I still see the same regrets. People, a lot of people out there in relationships, they know it's not right. Mm. But the, there's a fear in there, right? A lot of, what, what is this regret thing? The big thing, this is why my, I did my TEDx on fear, right? Because actually, when you underpin regret, why don't we do this stuff that's driving regret? It's fear is stopping us. And, uh, and fear, this is why I used the F, the fear, how I got away with that on TED, I'll never know. Um, but F the fear, it's not real anyway, because all of these fears are psychological fears, they're not yeah. real, really inbred, right? So why, why do we stay in that relationship? Because we're, we've, we have a fear of loneliness. Mm. So, and everything, you looked through all the regrets and you could just see there's a thread that runs through them all, which is fear. Um, and if we don't address that, if you address it in one area, you can address it in all areas. Uh, and it's sometimes very subtle, but too, those are the main ones. The other love was, um, the because so, so it was not um it was not leaving when i thought i should leave it was not asking when i should be asking um and then the other one was literally all about love of children closest to you and everything else it was not expressing the love you had fully yeah. to the people you truly loved mm -hmm. um and i saw that with my dad my dad was a lovely man and he showed his love in his own ways but actually you know, again, that's a kind of male thing of not expressing love. Because um, men don't do yeah, that, don't right? Um, but it's, yeah, not telling those around you just how much you love them all the way through life. So I think if we just had to tackle those three, that was I a pretty good start. particularly now as well, you know, what with, you know, we're going through this COVID and hopefully coming out the other end of it. But connection, <laughs> hopefully, who knows? Uh, but connection's got to be so... It's so so important this whole thing has highlighted how i think how important connection is yeah and well, well we'll come on to what i'm doing next um soon but it's at the center of everything i'm doing next which is connection and um, i think we've taken it for granted what about health and fitness because i would have thought if you're lying on your deathbed the first thing i'd say is i regret you know not jogging or, or eating healthier or you know whatever it may be because presumably if you're in that yeah, now I know this is a big one for you, right? Yeah, and this yeah. was the shock. Remember, when I do a study, I have to give the study results. And health and fitness was not in the top six. Wow. 
And I mean, and that is a stack. And I mean, nowhere close, right? Uh, and I did a, I did a blog on this because it was subsequent. I, was, I did a blog around the regret that wasn't in. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was like, why? Um, and I don't know the answer to that fully. However, when you are, if you think about the mindset again, you're sitting there and you are in your on your deathbed. You're going shit. You aren't actually sitting there going, I wish I'd gone to the gym more. Right? No, I guess not. Right? <laughs> or I wish I'd, you know, I wish I'd meditated, or I wish I'd done that yoga twice a week. Mm. You're, that's not what you regret, all right? You regret the experience, the moments, the things. Mm. Now, actually, and this is for me, I don't see health and fitness as a regret. Health and fitness is a, almost like a hygiene factor in that health gives us, if we get that bit right, it gives us the energy. Yeah, vitality. To be, and the vitality to do everything. If you have, the, it's, it's almost like the given mm. in that, if you were able to do everything that if you could cover all those regrets in life and you were living life full out, by default, you have to have the energy and it's just a fuel rather than the actual objective. Um, but I was surprised. I was really surprised. Because that. without that, you can't do anything that you... And I think that's the... They don't remember when you think... When you're... The question being, what does you regret in your life? It's not the... It's not like a design process of, okay, well, how are we going to sort that out? It's more of, that's the... Emo and it's emotional cues. Mm -hmm. Regrets are an emotional cue, not a not a, a mental thinking through. Well, actually, I should meditate three times a day. Or it's not it's not that process. That's why the uh, I think the regret survey so raw because people are in a raw state when they're expressing. Completely, really interesting. Now, listening to that, or, or when you got the results of that study, did it make you think? Right, what have, what have I regret? What will I regret in my life? And, because uh, I know you've done some pretty crazy shit, as you say. <laughs> some of them a little bit more hairy than others. Uh, can you tell me what, what is it about? I mean, I know you love climbing mountains and you've climbed six, is it now, of the seventh tall, seven tallest mountains? Unless you've added one. Uh, no, well, so COVID's put a little bit of a span on that. that. And now. you've done For a now. crazy race across the de desert called Marathon de Sable. What is it about... Um, the, this, this adrenaline adventure that you love? Um, I think it came back, so the, the decision was made after my father's death, because I literally sat back and went, right, if I'm gonna, I was in the corporate world at that time. So it was like, what, am I, what do I regret? And I regretted not having a crack at entrepreneurialism, which is what I went straight into. Um, and I, I regretted a number of things in life at that point. Now we did the study way later, right? So, uh, but at that point I realized I wanted to have a crack at the best, best on the planet right so that, that for me was the seven summits right the marathon de Saab, the jungle marathon the two poles and an iron man that was that was the first mix so uh, <laughs> uh, which which is evolving um all the time so that's where it began now it began partly as a, a slight ego trip at the time um part of the you know i wanted to conquer yeah yes um i wanted to I wanted to almost go to battle to an extent to really test myself and see what was possible in life. That's how it began. Uh, uh, the first outing really put a spatter on that one. My first thing was the Marathon de Saab, which is six marathons back to back across the Sahara. Um, stupid place to start. That, I was going to say, that's um, not an easy starting So I got, I got broken so. on my first outing and it was good because it actually knocked my ego away and actually connected. And actually from that point on, my adventures were all about discovering me being in the depths of nature and connection. Um, and uh, if you want to meditate, there's something incredibly special about meditation in high altitude. 
Um, but did, I was going to say, what did you really discover about yourself? Oh, so much. Um, that I was a, a twat in my early days. That was definitely one of the early things. I was really led by ego. Um, uh, you know, ego is a part of all of us, but uh, I think uh, mine was definitely a lot bigger than most people's and, need, and then it needed to be. So I almost needed to be taken to my knees and, and stripped to, raw to the bone in order for me to really discover who I was and, and get to talk to the real voice, not the egoic voice that had been leading the show for about 20, 25 years, probably 30 to be fair. Um, uh, and it just opened me up to nature and Mother, mother Nature, the, the beauty. And, and I think we can sit in it. Um, we're sitting here overlooking the, the river here in Richmond. And it's just exquisite. The beauty of yes. the, look at the, the, the waves are just glimmering down there. And it's just stunning. And it's that. Sometimes you just need to be ripped to your knees to just really appreciate mm -hmm. the magnificence of this world. Um, and... I think I needed to be pushed harder than most. I hope most people can get to that naturally. But when you're in the peaks of the Himalaya, when you're in the depths of the Sahara Desert, when you're in the, the, the dizzy heights of Alaska, Mother Nature is so incredible. Um, it can, it literally brings you, it brought me to my knees a number of times in just pure awe and wonder. Um, and that's what my adventures have continually given me. And they, can, and I, they, haven't, they haven't ended. There's plenty more in me yet. So... Uh, but I'm constantly exploring. Um, it's not so much about the thrill of the um, crazy adventures, although there's a few crazy ones coming up. Um, but I'm more about really connecting to the depths of the jungles, one of the next ones. I really want to go deep into the jungle. There's a jungle marathon, which is six marathons across the jungle. So I'm going to have a, uh, I'm supposed to do that this year, but clearly not at the moment. But that connecting into the rawness of jungle, um, that's something different again. It's so, completely different. Yeah, and I'm constantly wanting to test the very boundaries of Earth. You must have come close to death. Tell me about a, a moment, maybe, that you, you were close to death. And how did you feel? What it made you feel? I think the important thing around death is I'm not scared of death, um, but I had to face that multiple times not to be scared of it. And I think looking back on why we don't do things and why we regret things, um, if you're not scared of death, then you'll have a crack at anything. Yeah which is somewhat dangerous in certain instances, but I think it's also liberating. Uh, I know I could die at any point, so actually it's all about the living. Um, and I think, don't think any example's better than the Everest trip when we were on Everest. So uh, whilst we were there, uh, Everest's a bit of a challenge for most people, right? Certainly, and I built up to that, and I'd done um, five of the um, highest mountains in the world previous to that. So when we were on Everest, we were up, um, near the North Col, north side of the mountain, which is quite iconic. Uh, and that's a story in its own right, but that's when, the, that's when the Himalaya got struck by the biggest earthquake they've seen in 200 years. Now, we were the highest men in the world when that earthquake hit. So you know, we rode a bucking bronco on the, on the north face of Everest, which was a moment. Now, that's when you kind of know you're living. So literally, you were on this sheer face, presumably, and the whole world was shaking. So we were, on, we were on a pinnacle ice ridge. The, the ridge comes up into a pinnacle ice ridge. And we were really we just transcending the ridge. And uh, I literally, I was holding on to the ridge with my it's hands. The whole mountain? Was, everything was going on. But then it avalanched as well, because of the valley we were in, the entire Rumbok Valley avalanched, um, as did the ice pinnacles that we were climbing. Um, and that's when you think, you know, my time's done. So what flashed 
through your head at that point? Or were you, uh, were you just thinking, right, I've got to, got to survive, I've got to cling on for dear life? <laughs> in the moment, you are, you know, it was, you, this is it, this is the moment, uh, hang on there, but because it was just so surreal. Um, and you can plan business, life, everything meticulously. You can have everything lined up. But at any point in time, out of nowhere, shit happens. And that's Everest. We had the best team, the best strategy, the best everything on Everest. That was, so the lessons from that was when you looked at the, and I sat there for 15, 20 minutes solo afterwards, just sitting there thinking I'd gone mental. Um, because if I hadn't died, and I'm still there, that should never have happened. And none of us were ready for that. There hadn't been an earthquake of that magnitude in Himalaya since the 1800s, which nobody knew about, by the way. That was only history records showed that one later. So it's not like uh, it was part of the holiday brochure. So we didn't know what we were in. So I thought, um, I thought I had high altitude pulmonary edema swelling the brain. Because when you're swinging and you go, well, the mountain couldn't have just done that. I must have just gone mental. So I just sat there for 15 minutes going, shit, and, and hate. At that altitude, you're done. So I thought I was just sitting there having my last moments thinking. What were you thinking? Um, well, I was having a good life reflection. I ended up subsequently, my team caught me up um, and we all experienced it. Cool, I haven't gone mental then. And we carried on going up to the north face of Everest. So we, we were up on the North Cold for the next part of the journey. Um, where I meditated and reflected. And I spent three days and three nights on the North Col, um, having a really good word with myself and looking back on life. Um, and, and that's why meditation in high altitude is quite profound. If you want to do a bit extreme, going to 7,000 meters to meditate, so I don't encourage everyone to do that, um, but it's, it's profound. And the beautiful thing, bear in mind that you can, you know, you fast forward on 10 years from when I first made the original decision of no regrets and to go after mm. life. I could honestly say I had a good life review and just went, you know what, I'm proud of what I've done. I did push life to the edges. I did do everything I wanted to do in that period. So I've got a lot more to do. But I did, and I pushed the boundaries. I was there for my family. I was there for my kids. I was, did my high adventures. I built businesses um, and everything was, and that's not an easy life by the way. So I am not saying this is an easy life. In fact, there's challenges because you're going to throw yourself in, into the jaws of the lion on multiple occasions because that's living a life of no regrets. It's not there's the easy path to take here. Um, but that was profound for me because I could literally say at the point, you know, I've got no regrets. You've got no regrets. Um, and then I came back and, and continued, right? So, uh, uh, and it's, that's an everlasting story. Did you come back a different person? Was there anything that you sort of took from that mountain, from that experience? Yes, so that's when the divorce came, because um, the one thing I, I looked and I no regrets at that point, but then I was able to take my life and then fast forward and go, what's the future look like? Um, more of more, some less of other stuff, less business, more family, more this, less that. So I was able to just redefine, which I encourage people to do regularly, and I do it myself, I constantly check back in to go, what does it look like now? Let's evolve, because it's a constant evolution. Um, but no, I, ever since then I've just gone, harder, faster, slower in some cases. I know what's important to me and I'll, I'll keep redefining it, but just keep biting off way more than I can chew on multiple levels because it's there and it's, and life's magnificent. Um, yeah, even, you know, I even, 
post-COVID, there's so much opportunity out there. The world's changing. Like COVID is what it is. Um, we can't ignore it. But like for me, I don't care. I'm like it's about living. Actually, I think this is exposing us to death closer than we think. I think so. So let's yeah. fucking live. Let's let's just live, right? Um, within social boundaries, dis distance boundaries, and all that. Yes, and with masks on, we'll be fine. Uh, but it's not stopping us living. Right? And I think this. I think people. I think there's a lot of good can come out of this. This is a massive reflection point in history. So on that, because I think I think you're right. That it is a huge reflection point, and we've we've sort of talked about connection. Mm. Uh, and a lot of people are probably looking at their businesses um, and thinking, now what the hell do I do? We're coming into this time of um, the furlough period is just about to start. Entrepreneurs are going to have to be laying off their staff. What what advice would you give to entrepreneurs that are in that situation now of what do I do next with my business? Um, so first, I'm not going to I'm not going to ignore the fact that we are in a, a global recession, right? And I'm not going to ignore the fact that unemployment is going to be crazy, and so many people are going to lose their jobs. And for that, I am truly sorry, and it's, it's going to be a horrible situation for many. However, that doesn't help, right? So me, I'm not going to dwell on that. Um, <clears throat> I am hugely optimistic of what comes next <laughs> for the mid space and and the small businesses in there. Why? Because there is opportunity. Um, there always has been. Now, there's certain businesses out there. So, <clears throat> are some um, businesses going to have to go to start? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's a horrible thing. Um, but now you've got to, this is the time to reflect. Is that the right business? Was it the right business in the first place? Now, things like if you're a cruise liner, that's just unlucky. Mm. Right? Yeah, not so good. There's yeah. certain industries, uh, and it's just horrible. And it's nothing to do with whether you did business or bad business. The industry's just been destroyed. The live events businesses have been Absolutely. killed. Right? Um, however, I will look all of those people in the eye. It's the live events that they'll be back. Yeah, yeah. And they need you to adapt. You've just got to right? knuckle down and survive to come back again because mm -hmm. it'll be back. Certain businesses are dead. But this is not in history, right? I love economic history and I go back hundreds of years. This is not the first time or the last time this has happened. We've had pandemics. They just yeah. lasted a shit though longer. Look at the Black Plague, yeah. it lasted like 60 Spanish years or something, blue, right? It's just like, it's yeah. insane. It lasted for a generation. Um, so, this isn't the first time or the last time this is going to happen. This is going to actually, I think, be faster because of the medical advances we've had. Um, but as businesses, we must look at it in the eye and go, you know, was this the right one in the first place? Because a lot of people running, the, you know, as I've preached on the stage, it has nothing to do with COVID, is they're running the wrong business. How do you know? How do you know if? this is the right business for me. What, what would you say that that point is? Because a, a lot of people, we know, a lot of people go into business for the wrong reasons. I spent my life in corporate, came out, went back again because I set up the wrong business the first time, come out again. Do you think people really know why they should go? This is why you need to have a good hard word with yourself. And this is it. Why do people meditate? Why should you meditate? Mm -hmm. Because if you haven't meditated and now you need to take a really good reflection point, you're going to struggle. Meditation is there to be able to be centered, to be able to really connect back into yourself, to be able to understand what, how, what makes you tick and is this making you happy. So is that, you know, you should love your business. That's number one. I talk about purpose in business and passion in business. Strategy on the page is built off purpose, right? Um, so if you don't love your business, you never did love your business, you're not passionate about it, you're not serving the world by doing it, probably the wrong one. 
And if I was sitting here and saying, and, and I and I absolutely agree with you, but for devil's advocate, being devil's advocate, uh, well, I've got a great business idea. It's going to make me loads of money. Good luck. <laughs> and um, you and every other entrepreneur out there that wants to have a crack. Um, so you can, and I think this is, that's how entrepreneurs start. And I'm never going to quash that because it would be wrong of me. But I'd say, I don't deal in that space. You know, we do yeah. in the mid space. We do in the scale up space. Because by that point, you've grown up, you've got a real business, and actually you know the problems associated with it, and there are problems, and, it, and we're no longer delusional. Um, we are prepared to face the main issues of business, which is cash and talent yeah. in, yes. a, in a big way. That's what I've been preaching for years in the stages. So when you're looking at, I've got an idea, great, because actually now is the time for ideas. Whilst everyone else is sleeping or panicking or, or full, full of fear, now is the time for ideas. Absolutely, have a crack. And if it doesn't work, have another crack. That's how entrepreneurism works, right? It's that resilience to be able to bounce back and, and adjust. If you are in your current business and you absolutely love it and you're pissed that it's going wrong, um, you've got to just look around the industry to make sure. A lot of businesses are talking pivot. You know, there's bloody pivot everywhere. I'm like, that's shit. Stop talking pivots, right? Um, most people don't need to pivot. If your core business is sound, don't pivot, right? Pivot is that way that's the whole point it's like that doesn't work go that way so um, so many businesses is when March hit oh we're now in the shits absolutely but now you've got to look forward and go all right let's have to 2021 is that business going to be okay then if we just fast forward for a moment pretend nothing happened is the world in whatever new normal is mm. does the business work in a new normal world that's a guess because we are still guessing what new normal looks like right but there's certain businesses that are always going to work. It's just, we, just, we just don't know the timeline of when it's back, yeah. right? And if you love what you're doing, you're passionate, you just got to make it work, knuckle down, maybe pivot on something else temporarily whilst waiting for core to come back. Um, if you're like, you know what, if you're doing it just for the money in the first place and just because it's an opportunity and you didn't love it and you're sitting there and you're miserable, well, that's why I don't encourage doing those businesses because actually when you're in the shit times, it's the passion that's going to get you through. It's going to keep you going, it's, absolutely. It's the absolute knowing that you are serving people and by not serving people, you're going to let the world down. That's what's going to get you through and you will fucking knuckle down and you will do whatever you need to do to make that happen. If you're there because, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire by next Tuesday and suddenly it gets really difficult. No one told me it was going to be difficult. I thought it was going to be easy, right? You shouldn't be in the game anyway. So... Um, that probably sounds a bit harsh to some people, but for me, it's the reality of business. I absolutely agree with you've got to find your purpose and you've got to love doing what and you're that's doing. That's always, I think, the first businesses, most of the time, and I wasn't on purpose in my first businesses. That's why I worked it out and that's why I preach what I preach now. Uh, and your first business isn't your last business. We have to evolve through business because it's like, it's like getting the clothes to fit, right? You, you, the first thing you stick on, like you in clothes shops, cheapest, you know, you'll be there all day long, right? <laughs> So trying to get the clothes to fit you, you have to put a few dresses on to go, oh, that's the one that fits right. It's the same for businesses. And people don't talk about it. You have to evolve. And guess what? I'm not who I was when I was 25. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I've, I've got different passions. I've got different ideas in life. I, I'm a different person. So my businesses have changed. You've mentioned the word, and I'm, I'm dying to pick you up on this, meditation a, f a few times during this interview. And... A lot of people are probably watching this, entrepreneurs go, meditation, I haven't got time to meditate, I need to hustle, hustle, hustle. 
you know, Gary Vee made this word hustle, this big thing, we've got to be working 24-7, you've just got to be on it, at it all the time. When do people have time to meditate? Oh, why, why should people meditate? And what is your view on the hustle? Uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to speak for Gary Vee, right? I respect the guy and what he's done in business. Um, uh, I just think the hustle thing is just, just, I don't agree with it at all. It's leading to burnout, which is a really stupid idea for anyone concerned. But let's go back to the fundamental question you asked there, right? Which is, so do I agree with hustle? No, um, absolutely not. But the primary question is, why meditate, why right? Meditate? Uh, and also, how do you get the time? Well, therefore, there has to, if you get the why in anything, you'll make the time for it. And I think this is the issue with meditation, is that the teachers out there, you, everyone's here, like, you should meditate today. Everyone goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. not really. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm really busy. So you're really busy, you still make time to go to the gym, right? Yeah. So you're really busy, but you still go and, go and get a latte, and you still can sit down and watch Netflix. So it's not a time issue, actually. Yeah, it's not a time it's not, issue. It's a why issue. It took me years to work this out. And I have meditated on and off in my life for 30-odd years. Um, and, and do you know what? When I get stressed and when I get busy, the first thing to go is meditation. And yet, and and yet yes. it's the one thing I need. Now, unfortunately, I've got 30 years to know that that's true now. It took me all and to work that. But I also have looked to uh, who, again, I think we need to get some inspiration sometimes, of some of the greatest people I admire on the planet are avid um, meditators. Like we talked about Ray Dalio earlier. I, I'm a massive fan of Ray Dalio. I think the guy's a genius and he's been meditating since the 1970s. One of the wealthiest men in the world and runs one of the biggest hedge funds in the world, right? So you go, okay, maybe there's something there. That's not, that's not some spiritual um, woo-woo woo person telling me I should meditate today. That's a guy who's run a trillion dollar company like saying meditation's key. And then it comes back to why. Because for me, this is for the business people out there, it's for my decision making. That, that's it. Right? Yeah, you don't have to go any further. You don't have to go woo woo. It's when I'm needing to make decisions, important decisions, game changing decisions, which I have to make every day, I need to be in a, be able to get to a place of centeredness. Because if I'm making decisions when I'm stressed and I'm fried, and I'm like, ah, fuck it, just do that. I'm going to make bad decisions. And I have got a history to prove that, right? So I need, when I'm about to make a decision, an important one, and I feel like I'm remotely a bit tired or whatever else, I delay that decision. I just bear with me. I'll come back and we'll make that decision tomorrow. I'll go and have a word with myself. You don't even have to call it meditation, don't you? Just call it having a word with yourself. Because from that place of quiet and from that place of centeredness, I make the best decisions. And I know from experience and history that my decisions from that place are rarely, if ever, wrong. They may not work out, but they were the right decision. Mm -hmm. I know that when I'm making decisions from a fried place, a stressed out place, a hustle place, those decisions can go to shit quite a lot. So I, I, I could literally map an Excel spreadsheet on the, so my risk factors, if I, but I need to be able to get to that place consistently. Now, if I, go off the rails and I don't meditate for a few weeks. It takes me a while just to get back into that place. Um, and then once I'm there, that's where I make my decisions from. So I think so many people just told to meditate and they're sitting there like a plum on a mat feeling like a plonker, right? Going, 
I don't, don't know om. Uh, I, don't, I don't om, right? I don't do that. Yeah, no, I, no. I have different ways of meditating, and I have multiple ways of meditating. Depends on what I'm trying to do. And I think so many people say, well, I just can't quiet my mind. I just can't quiet. I get, I get thoughts in all well, the that's time. That's the point. That's the whole point. That's yeah, the point. Exactly. You've got some work to do, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm fat and lazy. Well, you've got some work no, to do it, then. Yeah. It's, the, it is almost, it's the health and fitness for your mind. Um, and it takes time. But I also, uh, I'm, I don't think there's one way. For me, meditation has been an aspiration. I have tried so many different meditation techniques, and there's a gabillion out there, which is part of yeah, the problem yeah, yeah. as well, by the way. Um, but I think we are in a unique age. Some of the apps coming through now are really good, um, and that wasn't available before. And I think uh, so. I encourage that. I actually now I'm high tech on everything, as you know. I like data, so um, I use Muse. So Muse is, you know, proper brain sensor, so I can actually it's see... The ba- is it like the band? The band that band. goes across yes, it. Band yes. It's so actually measuring yeah. my brainwaves while I'm meditating. Yeah. So not only am I meditating, I can see when my meditation's off, and I can also kind of guide in why. It helps me uh, balance in, in, even better now. So the, the science and the tech behind this is incredible these days. Anyway, I can go on about meditation all day long. That's amazing. Uh, and do you sort of schedule it, do you schedule it into your... Your day? Do you actually say, I go, I go to the gym and I show it, it goes in the diary and it's first thing in the morning. It's pretty much the first thing I do. But do you do that with meditation? And I try and schedule in meditation as well. Oh, yeah, you go try. And should. Yoda. I tried and I should. Yeah, two words. There is no, there is no try. Um, so here's the thing I'm a bit conscious of. I'm actually, my next book is all around productivity. Um, and there's so much advice, and I don't disagree with the advice, but the advice is like, you need to do this meditation at the same time every day. I get that to form a habit. I understand that habit forming shows that to be true. It doesn't work for me. Because my days are very different, and that's purposeful. I, I craft my days around different routines. So um, I have meditations in my diary every day, but every day I move it. So if I want to do it in the morning, I'll do it in the morning. Depends if the kids are screaming or crying or whatever, right? Then it's not in the morning. And actually, if you look at all the guys, and, uh, and it's usually guys, uh, who are saying, you know, just wake up in the morning and do your morning routine. You haven't got kids, right? You don't have a screaming baby. You're single, clearly, to give that advice. Um, so I just say, now, if you just know that every day it's an important thing to do, and sometimes I meditate um, for like 40 minutes, I'm not going to do that every day. That's that's not that's not practical in my lifestyle. Um, but so, you know, five minutes, perfect. You, know, you can five minutes if, as long as you're already connected. Then and you've done this for a period of time. Five minutes is just what you need to recenter yourself. And certainly, sometimes all you need to make good decisions. Um, and so I've got different ways I meditate at different times of the day. Um, and sometimes I don't meditate. It's fine. It's like sometimes you don't go to the gym. It's fine. Get back yeah. on the bus the next day, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, I do exactly. encourage you, there is definitely science behind doing it at a certain time of day if your lifestyle permits that. Um, my lifestyle is, it doesn't permit it, but I'm regular with it anyway. You've architect your life in such a way that you fit, you know, obviously you, you've got, you do a lot in business and helping other entrepreneurs, but that's not just your life. You have so many other, uh, I want to say the word roles, yeah. that you play. Um, and, and how do you manage, I'm going to come back to how you manage to fit all that in again. And it's, as you say, business is, is a big part of you, but it's not, certainly not. I wouldn't put you down as that is your main role at all. 
No, business is about 40% of what I do. Yeah. I actually measure, I'm pretty clear on the measurement. And I'm also constantly adjusting. So um, uh, diamond-like design, we talked about it before, uh, is the architecture. That will come back out again end of this year. So we've redesigned it, but it's the tool I use, right? So, and it is, you, you know, you use the right word, it's architecture. Mm. You know, this, this house we have, this life we're building, it's not an accident. Um, and if you want to live a true life of no regrets, then you've got to think that through. You've got to architect it, right? To build, you know, the most magnificent houses are architected before they're built. And, and by the way, then you want to add an extension here or a wing here, and you want to put something on the roof, or whatever, because you're constantly evolving. And then, you know what? Once your house is built, you go, I actually want another one. And typically, when you build your own houses, you'll get it right in the third or fourth coat. Same in life. Don't expect an architect in one go and expect it to be right. So I architect, but I architect every piece. Now, if it's important enough, and I've looked at an area and I've gone, that's really important to me, like health and vitality, absolutely is. Um, my kids, absolutely are. Um, my partner, absolutely is. My businesses, philanthropy, philanthropy travel, adventure. So I've got my all the big buckets. There's roles within that, but also you know, you've got the areas of life that's important, right? If I'm to find that that is super important and to me, and I've, all, I've got a vision for every area that's important for me, then, then let's get on with it. Right? But then I will architect uh, the quarter, the month, the week, the day to ensure that I'm living life full out in all areas. And that word balance is an interesting one for most people. Balance. Right? And that is it though, it's balance. But balance is like something like, magical it's like no it's not it's architecting balances it's not an accident so what i find and i'm going to ask you this do you find this is i might have balanced a couple of areas of my life and i think wow i've mastered that you know this my health and fitness i'd probably put a tick there or you know um, my say i'm meditating my spirituality that might be no but then on other areas of life i'm like wow i score a zero <laughs> And, and, and I think if you, people will say, how can you have it all? Like the, where one area of life you might excel in, isn't that when another area of life you, you take away time from that other area? Well, that's not, if you've got a couple of areas of life, then that's not balance, is it, right? So it's this, it's that balance, true balance. But this is, here's what I, I disagree with um, a number of the, there's a number of methodologies out there which just, balance the wheel of life yeah yeah I, I disagree with it uh, and here's why because most of the tools they are defining what the areas of life should be hmm. right and, every, and i guess everyone's areas of life are different i okay. think so yeah because i tell you i've disagreed I with everyone that's put it in front <laughs> of me so every time they put the wheel of life or the thing thing and the roles of this and gone there there's your eight and score you on that i go zero you're unbalanced. No, I'm not. I don't want to do that area. Yeah, exactly. It so doesn't interest me. So fuck off, right? If I don't want to do an area that's not important to me, I don't care. I'm not ticking that yeah. box. Yeah. So for me, that's why architecture is important, right? So if you've got areas of life, you know, like people like, like you're social, right? Mm. It would be massive ticking the box for social. For me, I'm not a massive socialite, yeah, yeah. right? So I don't need that ticking the box. Um, Remember you loved gardening and carpeting. Yeah, so, I would be like, you, oh my god, I'll kill the plants. <laughs> you with a pair of wearing, right? Ooh, it's never a good look. <laughs> so it's that's the important thing. So it's balance on your terms, not someone else's terms, not someone else telling you like health and fitness is stupid important to me and you. Mm. If it's not important to you, don't worry yeah, about it, yeah, right? Yeah. And you may want to have a good hard word about that because it's for me it's energy. 
right? If you don't want to be energetic, you don't want to bring the energy to life, again, your choice. I choose energy, right? But it's defining what's important. And if you're looking at a couple of areas like, oh, I'm really shit at that area. Okay, are you shit at that area? Because really, deep down, you don't care. If you die tomorrow, you're not really bothered. Then it's not off balance. It's fine, right? But if you've got an area of life you go, oh, I'm really not performing. Like for me, adventure. I was always adventure. Someone that was a big killer for me, right, back in the day. And I'm like, I really want to explore adventure. I really want to be, I want to do the best things in the world. And I'm not doing it. And if I die tomorrow, I really regret that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's obviously difficult now at the moment. It, it is, but I'm still getting it local. So, you know, for me, I can't obviously travel abroad, but I've got the Brecon Beacons on my doorstep, and we can still, well, if we're not in a lockdown situation yes. again, um, you know, I can still climb, and I've got, you know, got room for miles around me because I'm out the countryside. So adventure doesn't have to stop in that way, and it'll never stop for me. Try, try you know, like, even when lockdown, you've got the river, and you can walk, and you can get out and about in nature, right? So... For me, this balance is that if you've got an area of life which you absolutely know back to regret that you know you should be on, you're not doing anything about it, and you're going to regret it, now step up and do something about it. And that balance, that balance, not balance for the sake of balance, and like, you know, I should be doing my social tick box there today or whatever. No, we're all different. So I think, um, so if there's any part of life that you feel like, if I die tomorrow, I'd regret that, get on with it. Absolutely. So what's next for you? I hear that the strategy man is dead. Is that right? You were always known as the strategy man. What, what are you, what's the next step? So yes, the strategy man is dead, I'm afraid. And we did that social poster when a bit of rhyme, I think. That was a while back, actually. So uh, a lot of people that know me on the stages know me as the strategy man. And 15 years ago, back to what we talked about, evolution of business, right? Um, and it's still part of me, um, and it always will be. I still sit on the boards, I still guide the mid-space scale-ups, uh, and I love the work we do in BGI. Um, Ian Mitchell's taken over BGI now, so I'm very much a backseat. He runs the company brilliantly. Uh, you've got the consulting base, the tech space, um, and that's practicing what I preach, right? Is build a business to be proud of and then step away, right? Yeah. Um, and they can do what the next stage better than I can. So uh, strategy will always be part of me, but being my brand, being the strategy man, boxed my conversation into talking just about strategy. Now we've had a conversations about business today, but we've had wider conversations, mm. right? So Derry, the brand, needed to come back, um, and that allows me to talk much more widely about much more topics. So you know, for me, I'm, I love productivity. That's my next book will be productivity. And um, then we've got the performance element, and then we've got the, the strategy side, the high-performance organization. So those parts will always be part of me. But that's when we can have conversations about health, vitality, meditation, um, but in the right context. You know, always with businesses, I'll always be talking with you know, execs and, and boards and business owners. Um, but I actually I want to bring a much wider message because strategy on its own is dangerous. I've helped scale a lot of companies, but this comes back to this hustle smashing thing. Just because you've got great strategy and you're executing it does not mean you've got a great life that you're enjoying it, you've got no regrets. In and fact, it's, it's quite the opposite, which is back to regrets. Um, and so many business owners, high-level execs, are just burning out. Uh, and that's something I'm dealing with in a number of the businesses I'm doing next. I've got taken some stakes in some businesses, uh, and there are a lot of them are dealing with burnout. Burnout's an epidemic right now. So people wanted to find out more about you and, and the sort of things that you offer or can help. How, how do they find out about you? 
Uh, well, Derry.live, that's a good place to start. Derry.live, And that's going to be the kind of the, the springboard into all the different things I'm doing. Um, you'll see the performance stuff coming through. There's a lot of the, the Regrets blog series is up there as well. If people want to look at the other Regrets, oh, okay. that's all up there on Derry.live. Uh, and you'll see Raglan Estates, the, the new venture coming through. Um, well, tell me about a little bit about the new venture. We've got an amazing estate on the Welsh borders. So it's a 127 acre estate with beautiful sheep. buildings. No, there's no sheep. They're next door. <laughs> they're, they're next door. Um, but we're building a, a, a retreat centre, a really high performance retreat centre, transformation retreat centre. They're for tourists as well, but it's about people connecting back to nature. Um, and that's what I... I love the most. You've heard about my adventures and else. I've been able to connect with nature. Yeah. And for me, my transformation has happened in nature. The connection to myself happened in nature. My connection to others happened in nature. Uh, and I, I'm just nowhere in the UK where you can really go back, connect with yourself, connect to nature. So we've got full spec eco lodges, really nestled in the middle of nature, um, but with a high performance retreat center in the, set, in the center of the whole facility. Um, so we're building this, and I'm super excited about that because that's going to facilitate transformation for other leaders. So I'll run a couple of retreats there, but it's not, not about my retreats. It's actually creating a place for people to transform. So oh, wow. that's the new, that's it's, the new thing. It sounds amazing. And I guess with people not being able to travel so much as well, that might. Exactly. And I think, you know, for us, we are, um, because it kind of kicked in post-COVID world, we were able to design the whole function for the new world. So uh, I'm a massive believer that people need to reconnect. Um, okay. And in this COVID world, you know, you might be remote working, but you still need to get that team together once a quarter. Um, you need to reconnect exec teams. You need to reconnect you know, families in some instances. Um, and we can do so in a place, because we've got so much acreage, we can do so in a very safe environment, social distance, and you can have an acre if you want. You don't need two meters, right? Um, this isn't London. <laughs> So we can give people space, alfresco, experiences, even the conference center's designed that it's got, you've got all the space you need in a, in a tacked up conference center in, in the middle. But it's not big conference centers, it's like 30 people. We don't want big groups, we want exclusive groups. Um, so that's the new toy. It's going to wow. take, that's taking a lot of my time and energy at the moment, which Sounds I love. Amazing. It. It's, uh, amazing. I'm, uh, it's already open for the for the locals, etc. But then the, the tourism and the retreats are open in the spring. Jerry, I can't believe we've come to the end of the interview, and it's my final question, which I ask all my guests, and that is, if you were to write a message in a bottle for future generations to find, what would that message be? The message will have to be live a life with no regrets. Uh, it's always going to be my message, I'm afraid. So. Uh, uh, and that's what I tell my daughters and my little boy. And I think if we could all just live life with a little bit of more no regret, I think our lives would be a lot more magical. Fantastic way to end the interview. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Thank you. It's been lovely having you. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like and you'll get it straight into your inbox.